Well, good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? It's very, very good to see you. We're continuing a series today called This Is It. This series is a messages that's dedicated to some of the end-time prophetic events that are going to bring about the end of the world. We've talked about the, the church age, which we're living in right now. We've talked about the return of Christ and the rapture. Now we're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about the, the uh, millennium and beyond or eternity. Today I'm specifically going to talk about the final eternal destination for the world. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today. Lord, as we lean into this, I pray that you will deal with us and as we learn about things that we may not completely understand, I pray that we will be open and receptive to what you want to say to us. But most of all, people who don't know you, people that have not surrendered their lives to you when we get done here today, that will change. People will give their lives to you in Christ's name. And everybody said, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you came on the right day today. This is a, this is a different kind of message. It's, it's a different kind of sermon. So you came on the right day. I'm going to be talking about the great white throne judgment. And I'm going to briefly talk about the eternal destination of hell or the lake of fire. Now, before you get up and leave, hang on just a second. Maybe you might be thinking, wait a minute, what did I walk into? What kind of a message, what kind of a a church did I walk into? Maybe you're here for the first time and you're not completely sure about some of the things that we're talking about. Or maybe you don't even know whether or not God exists. You don't know much about the salvation process or Jesus and and somebody invited you and and maybe you're thinking, hey, I I don't know about this. Well, over the next 30 minutes, I'm going to cover some things that I believe that are going to bring some insight to some of the things that the church has taught for years. So what I want to ask you to do is, if you're here for the first time, will you just bear with me and try to believe that you're supposed to be here today? I mean, could it be possible that God designed and had you in mind when we put this message together? I mean, this is a message that was planned seven months ago. We put it on the calendar way back in, in December. And what are the chances that you would come here on a Sunday and hear a message that never gets preached? Today's topic, you don't hear it much. In fact, we don't preach it. It's been a, a couple of years or so since we really got specific about this. So, so could it be possible that, that, yes, maybe your friend invited you or, or maybe you just came by, by, by maybe, maybe you think chance. But I believe, could it be possible that you're not here by accident and maybe, just maybe, God wants you to hear what we're saying today. If that be the case, then you can definitely, definitely stick around and hear this message. Look at your neighbor and say, you can do this. I want you to go to Jeremiah, the 12th chapter, in the first verse, or we'll just put it up here on the screen. Jeremiah was an Old Testament prophet that suffered some great things because of his message for the Lord, and he was working for the Israelites, if you will, and God would have him, would have him do strange things to illustrate what he was trying to do in that nation. And because of the things that he did and the message that he delivered, it caused him to suffer. He was only obeying God, and the message that he would deliver to kings and to God's people would cause him to suffer, imprison, be beaten. So he, 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 he writes this, or he gives this prophecy, or the, not this prophecy, but he gives this statement or this prayer to God. Here's what he says, Jeremiah 12 and 1. Lord, you always give me justice when I bring a case before you, so let me bring this complaint. Why are the wicked so prosperous? Why are evil people so happy? I don't think he had such an issue with people that were wicked, that were prosperous and happy, as much as it was that 
What he was doing was obeying God and he was living according to what God had asked him to do. And there were people that he was delivering this message to that they were being unaffected by this message. And they were happy, they were dying in peace, and they were wicked. So what he was saying was, I believe, this is not fair. You know what? In this life, I believe he's got a good point. In this life, life is not always fair. Justice does not always prevail. The truth doesn't always win out. People don't always get what they deserve or what's coming to them. There's no such thing as karma. What goes around doesn't always come around. Innocent sometimes fall prey to and victims to the wicked. And evil people prosper while righteous people suffer. Why is this? I believe because in this world, in this life, justice is incomplete. However, one of these days, that's all going to come to a halt. Because every, one of these days, God is going to judge the world. In Acts 17 and 30, it says this. He says, there was a time of ignorance that God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because, and listen to this phrase, he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. He's talking about the Lord. He has fixed a day. The day is already set. Nobody knows that day. Jesus commented about that in scripture, but he has fixed a day. Now, a lot of times we think that judgment is incomplete and and this world is not fair and we don't understand everything because actually in our lifetime, in our 80 or 90 years or whatever of the earth that we see, things don't come full circle. But if you're an infinite, timeless God that is not limited by space and time, you can see that when you fix a day, you see the world coming into an order. If this life seems unfair or unjust, just know that there will be a reckoning one day when God brings justice to the world. Today's topic is one of those topics that gets overlooked a lot. Why? Because it's inconvenient. I don't really like talking about what I'm going to talk to you about here over the next few minutes. It's not always, it's, it, it, to me it's, it, it's exciting, it should be an encouraging, but it's very inconvenient it's inconvenient, it's, but here's what I found. Truth can be inconvenient sometimes. Are you with me? Truth is sometimes, sometimes inconvenient. Truth is sometimes controversial. Truth can sometimes make us uncomfortable. But since there is so much at stake in the next life, since this life determines the next world and how we live in the next life, since there's so much at stake, it is very important that we as pastors and churches We deliver the truth. Amen? Jesus, who also talked about love and forgiveness, also spoke about a final end of the world judgment day when every person would give an account for his or her life while we were on earth. And what happens many times if we dodge this subject or if we don't talk about this, because if if it's an inconvenient truth, if we, if we don't do this, if we don't bring this up, what happens is truth gets twisted and we believe lies. Examples of ways of thinking, misbeliefs, I call them lies we tell ourselves. Listen to this. Here's one. If almost every person, if almost everyone acts and believes a certain way and nothing happens, then it must be okay. 
That's how a lot of people, if, if everybody believes a certain way, if most people, if the majority of people believe a certain way, and there is no lightning from heaven, God doesn't snap his finger and judge the world, then it, then it must be okay. You know that this world, and actually our culture, and this is part of the church culture, we are more interested in what works than what is true. We have to be very careful about that. How about this? Here's another misbelief. God wouldn't condemn so many people. God would not condemn a majority of the world. Here's one. God wouldn't judge them. He's a loving and a patient God. We are all God's children. We are all saved. We all end up in the same place. All roads lead to God. Your truth is different than my truth. How about this? Love is the answer. And if more people believed in love and more, more people practice love, yes, love is an attribute that we need to practice, but love is not the end all answer. Jesus is the answer. I don't necessarily agree with what the preacher says. And if I don't agree with what he says and I don't agree what the church teaches, then I'm not going to live according to that. I don't necessarily agree with that. How about this? And maybe you've heard this before, misbelief. The Bible is a 2,000-year-old ancient book written by a man. It's not applicable to today's life. It's outdated. Jesus didn't say anything about that particular type of sin. If Jesus didn't say anything about that, then it must be okay. And then if our misbelief or if our belief system is challenged, a lot of times we don't change our lives we just change our circle of friends. We just change our church. Because I guarantee you, you can find somebody and you can find a community of people who believe like you believe and live according to a certain way. And what happens is we think there's safety in numbers and we can believe a lie. Proverbs 12 and 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. We can believe something that is not true. Proverbs 14 and 12 says, there is a way that seems right to man. There is a way that seems right, a way that seems to lead to life, a path that we will follow. He says, there is a way that seems right, but the end leads us to destruction. You can think that you're right and be completely wrong And lead a life and set a course on a life that will lead you to destruction. So since there is so much at stake, it's important that we find truth. Amen? And this is why we have a Bible. This is why we don't get up and talk about Travis's opinions. Because it doesn't matter what I believe. Truth is unaffected by opinions. Truth, God's truth is unaffected by how I feel and what I believe. Just because you believe something or just because I believe something doesn't make it true. What makes it true is it's written in Scripture and it's inspired by God. That's why we have a Bible. So since since there's so much at stake, let's consider, since we're talking about things that are biblical matters, let's consider what the Bible says and let's consider what Jesus says about the things that we're talking about today. Luke 13 and 23 says this. Someone said to the Lord, Lord, will those who are saved be few? That's a good question. Jesus did not dodge this question. Listen to what he says. He said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, many will seek to enter and will not be able Matthew 7 and 13, he says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. 
For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. From what I understand in scripture, and these these aren't the only scriptures that lead me to believe this, but from what I understand, when it comes to matters of eternity, when it comes to matters of of judgment and and God and, and the finality of all this, the end of the world, most people in the world, they get it wrong. Popular opinion, how we come to our belief system. Popular opinion, pop culture, most people, friends, majority, emotions, however you come to your belief system, other means by which people come to make eternal decisions, they have the wrong answers when it comes to the, to the next life. Most people get it wrong. And since these are matters of God, we need to consider and look at what the Bible has to say. In Hebrews 9 and 27, it says this, and this gets right to the point. He says, It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Once we die, the next thing that happens in our existence is we stand before God in the judgment. And as I said before, last week, there are two different judgments, a thousand years apart. There's first the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ. When every Christian, when every person that has accepted Jesus stands before God and gives an account for their lives, not, it is not a matter of whether or not a person is with God, it is a matter of reward. And then the judgment that I'm talking about today is the great white throne judgment. It is for the sinner. It is for the evil dead. In Revelation 20 and 1, if you've read the book of Revelation, there's things in there that might be hard to understand because it is a, if I can say it like this, it is a theatrical display of of strange things and beings that represent a truth. For example, a dragon represents Satan. A, a, a strange beast represents the Antichrist. And I'm not going to cover all of these things today. I'm just going to read. And once I get done reading, I'm going to back up and give a prophetic calendar of where we are and, and why these things relate. Revelation 21 says this. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with a key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He sees the dragon, that old serpent who is the devil, Satan, and he bound him in chains for a thousand years. And the angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. There's a purpose in him being released, and we'll talk about that in a second. Then the thousand years, or when the thousand years have come to an end, Satan will be let out of prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog. That's a place in the Middle East. In every corner of the earth, he will gather them together for battle, a mighty army. As numberless as the sand along the seashore, and I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the, of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city, which is Jerusalem. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. There's so much there to cover that I'm not going to cover. That's not what I, I just want to talk about the end time and the great white throne judgment. So, but let me first show you something on the prophetic calendar. The next event that is scheduled, you should know what that is by now. What is the next event on the prophetic calendar? What is it? It's the rapture of the church. 
It's not the rapture of everyone. It's the rapture of the church. What happens is Jesus is going to step out and, re- and, and call his church home. The next thing that happens after that is what is called the seven-year tribulation period. When the rapture takes place, there is a time clock that's not literally, but it's a seven-year countdown to the end of the world. There is this three and a half years of peace, and then there's three and a half years of destruction when all hell breaks loose. But at the beginning of that, when we're raptured, we go before the judgment seat of Christ. We give an account for our lives, receive our rewards. We uh, take part in something called the marriage supper of the Lamb. I believe it's about a seven-year celebration. We return to earth, as we just read, at this battle. It's called the Battle of Armageddon. For the millennial reign, the Bible says that Satan is bound for a thousand years, and we rule and judge a peaceful earth for a thousand years. And then Satan is loosed for a season, and he causes a rebellion. Now, this is not among Christians. This is a rebellion of the 25% of the population that made it through the tribulation period and survived. So he causes this rebellion. The whole world turns against God's people. Jesus crushes it instantly, and then Satan receives his eternal judgment at the lake of fire. Now go to Revelation 20 and 11. Now here's where we land today. He said, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence. Now this, can you see that this is a very dreadful thing that John is seeing? This is not the same kind of judgment that is for the Christian. He says that the earth and the sky fled from his presence and they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne and the books were opened, including the book of life and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead and death and the grave gave up their dead and they were all judged according to their deeds or their works. What John, what John was witnessing here is known in scripture He saw it in the spirit as this dreadful, hopeless thing called the great white throne judgment. It is a judgment of all the people that never accepted Jesus from the beginning of time. All people who are lost and the evil dead. Notice that there are books that are laid out. First of all, there is this this book of life that is open. The Lamb's book of life recorded in Philippians and also the book of Revelation. When a person is born, that person's life is recorded in the Lamb's book of life. And if you never, and if you walk through this life and never give your life to Christ, we see that according to the book of Revelation that a person's name can be blotted out if they never receive Christ. In Revelation 13, it says, this, this is a list of people. This book is a list of people that have been born again and have accepted Jesus. They have made Jesus their Lord and Savior. My name is in that book. Hopefully, your name, if you've received Jesus, your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Have you ever heard that term? My name is in the book of life. That is that book. It's not just some symbolic, some metaphorical book. There is a literal book. Our names are recorded. And then there are other books that this scripture talks about. These books contain these books contain every thought, every word, every deed, whether good or bad, in this life for every individual. Think about that for a second. Books being open of recorded events. I'm going to tell you something. I said this a few weeks ago. Your life matters. What you do in this life matters because every single thing is recorded. We don't know exactly what's in these books, but the Bible hints to a few things. It's very similar to the judgment of the Christian. Number one, the Bible says that our words, we give account for our words. 
And I'm just going to go through these quickly. Number two, we give account for our secrets. Talks about this in Romans. Number three, we give account for our motives according to 1 Corinthians 4 and 5, the purposes of our hearts. If you were here last week, I talked about the judgment seat of Christ. So this is a, a similar judgment to what people give account for. But, but the very difference or the main difference is when we stand before God and we give an account for our works, because we have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Bible says our faith has made us justified in God's eyes. When, we, when you put your faith in God, when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, it makes you right with God because your works aren't strong enough to get you in heaven. Are you hearing me? And what happens is on this day, people are going to stand and give account according to their works. And then God is going to say, are their names written in the Lamb's book of life? In other words, what that means is, have they accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior? Do they know my son? And the answer will be no, and they will be sentenced eternally to a lake of fire. And it's a very dreadful thing. In Revelation 20 and 14, it says, Then, after this judgment, then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This death, or this lake of fire is the second death. Everybody say second death. And anyone whose name is not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The second death, what is that? The first death is your bodily death, your human death. When you close your eyes in this life, that is the first death. But the second death is a spiritual death. That's when your spirit, your soul, your body is eternally cast into the lake of fire after this judgment. And that is what John saw. Imagine the brevity. Imagine what he felt in his spirit. This dramatic event in the spirit that, 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 when, that people would come and be sentenced at this final judgment standing before God with no hope for eternity. It leads me to a question. If people are already condemned, why this judgment? If if people are, it's, it's already determined, it's predetermined because of this, because of how they died or the fact that they never gave their life to Christ, why in the world do we even have this judgment or why is this judgment, why does it exist? I believe the purpose of the great white throne judgment, number one, is to show people why. They're sentenced to eternity without God. That everybody has their day in court. If I believe people are going to stand before God and say, I didn't know. I never had the chance. I, if I would have only known, and I believe it is going to be revealed, truth is going to be revealed, and it's going to be revealed to people how many times that they rejected God and what opportunities that they had. The second reason I believe The great white throne judgment is just as believers have judgment, just as we believers have a judgment that will determine our reward, I believe, according to what Scripture tells us, I believe that a sinner's judgment is about degrees of punishment. I believe that there are people that are extremely evil that are going to be sentenced to a different level. But this was not God's plan for humanity. I'm going to tell you this. This was never God's plan for humanity. Hell, the lake of fire, was created for the devil and those who rejected God. Now, you might be sitting here and you might say, Travis, I got all dressed up for this. 
You know, I came down here. I live for God. You're preaching to the choir. Why are you telling me these things? And I would call this the call to action. The reason I'm telling you this, first of all, is as Christians, as believers in Christ, I think it's very important that we live with an eternal perspective. Maybe for us, we need a wake-up call on how to live, that we're supposed to be prepared, we're supposed to be watching, we're supposed to be witnesses for Christ. And what happens a lot of times is this life is distracting, especially in our culture. We tend to make life about something that it's really not about. And we tend to go off and head in, in other directions and we forget about the eternal reality of what's coming. Which leads me to the other thing that I want to tell you. The other reason that I'm telling you this is that we have a responsibility and a mandate to tell this world of a coming judgment. And a lot of times we, as followers of Christ, we are delivered this information and we don't do anything about this information. I'm not telling you that you need to be at your job every single day with a Bible under your arm preaching that the end is coming. That's not what I'm talking about. We can do better than that. And what happens is we dodge it because we don't understand it. The information that I'm giving you today, I'm I'm not insightful and know-all. These are things that I've read in the Bible and studied for myself. And I know that I've, I've probably read it a lot more than you have, and I've spent years studying it. But the book of Revelation, if you think about it, the root word there is reveal. And Jesus would say, hey, let the reader understand. The, book, the whole point of that is to reveal some things so we will be prepared, so we will share this gospel with others. Yes, we want to talk about the love of Christ. Yeah, we want to talk about the hope and the salvation and the life that God has for you right now. But there's also something else in Scripture. There is a warning that comes if you reject Christ. If you walk through this life and never give your life to Christ, there is something coming. And we're not talking about it enough. We can do better with our message. It reminds me of a story of two guys that were out in front of a church. And one, one they were holding up signs. They were, you know, they, you know they, were, they were doing their part in church. And they were along this main road. And one guy was on one side of the road with his, his big sign. And the other guy was on the other side, with, on the side of the road with his sign. And one of the signs said, turn around, the end is near. And on this side of the road, it says, turn around, the end is near. What was the other one? I forgot the joke. <laughs> Hang on just a second. Oh, one, set, one sign said, the end is near. The other sign said, turn around before it's too late. Kind of ruined it now. The end is near. He's holding the sign, walking around. The other was, turn around before it's too late. And a guy called came rushing up to them, got mad at them. They were in the, why don't you guys get out of the road? Why aren't, nobody cares about those signs. You guys are crazy. And he took off down the road. As he takes off down the road, in the distance, there was a screech and a pause and a splash. And one guy looked at the other guy and he said, you know, maybe we should change our sign to say bridge out. <laughs> you know, the point is we can do better with the message that we've been given. Right? You, you, you need to be able, I need to be able to answer questions about the end of the world. And it's not mystical. 
It's not way out there. It's actually pretty practical if you put time into it. And there are people every single day of our lives that we come in contact with. You've got friends that if you don't deliver this information, I've got friends and family that if I don't deliver this information, I believe God is going to hold me accountable for that. And second of all, if I have a friend or if I have a loved one that one of these days is eternally separated from God, I don't want it to be because I never shared it with them. I mean, can you imagine if they ever had the opportunity to talk to you in the eternal and say, why didn't you say something? I was around you every single day. You know, we have a responsibility and we're not talking about this. We're talking about how to have a great life. That's wonderful. Yes, I'm, I'm excited about the here and now. I'm excited about what, I'm excited about the fact that I'm going to heaven. Praise God. But we have a mandate by God to go and preach the gospel. Another question that people might ask, how would a loving, or why would a loving God judge, sentence, and send a person to hell? Why would God do that? That's a good question, isn't it? Why would a loving God judge, sentence, and send a person to hell? I'm going to try to answer this best I can. First of all, if a person ends up, if a guy finds himself eternally cast into the lake of fire one of these days, it is not because God sent them there. It is because they have chosen to go there because he never accepted Jesus. And if a person never, ever wanted and never wanted to ever have anything to do with God in this life, decades and decades of rejecting God, isn't it just, and it's hard to say, and I don't like it, but eternal separation from God is what they wanted in this life and in the next. Another thing is if a person finds himself in hell one of these days, it won't be by accident. It's going to take some effort. God is a just God. For people that have never been given the truth, for people that don't know anything about God, there is an answer to that. God is a just God. We are not judged according to what we don't know or don't have access to. That's in the scripture. But for people that have ignored God and pushed God away, that takes some effort. If you find yourself completely separated from God, there's a few things that you're going to have to ignore in this life. First of all, you're going to have to ignore the proof of God in this world. Romans 1 and 22 addresses that. It says that for people who don't believe and ignore God's truth, there is no excuse because there is enough to be seen in his invisible traits in the earth, in the nature. If, if, you, if I can paraphrase it, if you can look out in this world and see all the things and the earth, and how it's all connected, and think to yourself, there's no way that there was a creator, and also think there's, I still don't believe in God. The Bible says that people that, that like that are without excuse. I'm not judging anybody, okay? It just says, the scripture says, people, if they can't see God in nature, and still reject God, they're without excuse, so you'll have to ignore the proof of God in this world. Second of all, if, if you find yourself eternally separated from the Lord, you're going to have to ignore his son, Jesus. If you have a checkbook and you write the date on there, it says the date and it says 2018. And every time you write 2018, every time you say the phrase 2018, it points and it is a witness to the fact that Jesus was born 2018 years ago. 
It's 2000 AD, which means in the year of our Lord. And I know that they've changed it to CBD and BCD and, and they can change it to MTV. But it doesn't change the fact that Jesus was born 2000 years ago, 2018 years ago. You'll have to ignore that. You'll have to ignore churches on every street corner in our community. There's 150 plus churches in Shawnee. You'll have to ignore and drive by them your entire life and see their little trite phrases on their little signs, you know, these little funny phrases on their signs. You'll have to ignore all that. You'll have to drive by the steeples. You'll have to, you'll have to ignore the people that invited you to church. You'll have to ignore the signs. You'll have to ignore the television evangelist. Even if you don't like, you'll have to ignore all that. You have to ignore the billboards. You have to drive by, ignore that for years and decades and reject it. If you find yourself one day completely separated from God, you'll have to ignore a praying mother, a praying father, a praying grandparent. I can't tell you how many times I read prayer requests that says, uh, Travis, will you and your staff pray for my kids? Will you pray for my grandkids? They're struggling with their belief system. Will you pray for every single week a grandparent and a parent asks for prayer for their kids? If you find yourself separated from God, you'll have to ignore that. You'll have to walk over and walk past and reject every friend that invited you to church. You'll have to ignore that. You have every person that ever invited you to church at, on Easter Sunday, they invited you on Christmas. When we had big day, when we had bring a friend Sunday, you'll have to say, no, no, I can't go. No, I'm not going to make it. No, I'm not going to. That's not for me. No, the roof will fall in. You'll have to give excuse after excuse for decades upon decades. You'll have to reject God. It's not easy. It takes effort. I want to close with this. Lastly, if you find yourself eternally separated from God, one of these days, you'll have to ignore this message. Would you believe this is, or would you agree that this is a different kind of message? (laughs) Just a little bit confrontational. Just a little bit. This was very hard for me. This is a very hard subject for me. It's, it's emotional for me because it, it hits me right in the center of my spirit. I can't sleep at night. I wish I could tell you my, what my week was like. I've, I've, I've had a, I've battled hell this week over this message. From sleep depravity to phone calls in the middle of the night to family members passing away to phone calls about the church. I, I, I can't go into what this week has been like. And I know uh, last night, as I'm laying down, I'm about to finally go to sleep and wake up and I just bring it all together and I think, okay, I got this, I got this. I'm actually thinking about last night, I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't preach this because it's not that encouraging Then I get to thinking. The reason that God gives me this message is he knows I'm gonna I'm going to preach it. I'm not going to not do something because there's a little little bit of obstinance. I'm not going to not do something because there's a battle. He knows I'll preach it. So I'm thinking there as I'm falling asleep, I'm thinking, you're going to talk to somebody tomorrow, aren't you, God? Somebody's going to come to church that, that really needs to hear this and 
I've been fighting hell all week over this, so who is it, God, that you're wanting to talk to? And who is it that needs to hear this? Who needs to get right with you? Who needs to get their lives straightened out? I, I can't tell you that. I know that for sure, but it's, this message is for somebody. Who is that? And I hope you feel special because you ruined my week. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. So what I want you to do, if you're here today and you need to get right with God, I want you to think about that as I pray. I know it's an inconvenient truth. I know it's not a popular thing, but it's, it's something that we got to talk about. It's something that we need to understand. Let me pray with you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, and I thank you for speaking to people. And I I know, Lord, that you're speaking to people today. I know you're speaking to Christians, believers. I think it's a wake-up call for people. But if there are people here today that don't know you, I know you're speaking to them too. So whatever you want to do in the lives of people, I pray that you'll do it. Lord, right now, I especially pray for believers, for your church. May this message quicken our hearts. Remind us of our mandate and our message. The knowledge that we've been given. May may we take it seriously, Lord. May we look at our friends every single day and be reminded just how important this message is. That, That the gospel comes with love, hope, happiness, abundance. It comes with new life, salvation. But it also comes with a warning if we reject Jesus, that is something that we have to stop ignoring and start talking about. So talk to people today. Talk to your church in the name of Jesus. And most of all, Lord, talk to people that don't know you. Speak to people that don't know you. In Jesus' name. As your heads are bowed and maybe you're praying, maybe God's speaking to you right now. Maybe you're the person that I'm talking to. Maybe God has brought you here for a reason. And if you don't know Christ and he's not Lord and Savior of your life, I can tell you right now, I believe this with all of my heart that this message was directed towards you. You're that special. You're that important. But I don't know. unless you let me know. Here's what I want to do. I'm gonna, I'd like to pray. If you're here, I'd like to lead people to Christ. I won't ask you to stand. I won't ask you to come down here. I won't single you out. That's not what we do here today. It's between you and me and God. But if I'm going to pray this prayer, I'd like to know if people are serious about coming home to God. So with nobody looking around, if you can say, Travis, I don't know Christ. He's not Lord and Savior of my life. Or you can say, Travis, I need to get right with God. This message is speaking to me. And if you'll pray that prayer, I'm going to pray it with you. And today you can surrender your life to Christ. Real quickly, just slip your hand up and slip it down. Say, that's me, Travis. I see your hand over here. You can put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm just going to ask one more time. Travis, that's me. I'm going to give my life to Christ, and I'm serious about this. I'm going to pray that prayer with you. I'm going to ask one more time, then I'm going to pray. Anybody else before I pray? Just let me know you're serious. All right, we're going to pray. If I didn't see your hand, that's okay. God sees your hand in your heart. 
And even if you didn't raise your hand, pray this prayer with us. Give your life to Christ today. Let's all pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, as I'm before you today, I give you my life. Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life, to come into my life and to forgive me for every sin. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you today and forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for those that have given their lives to you today. Thank you, Lord.